You're listening to My Mother is a Robot, a Magic Bean podcast. Episode 5, Relatable Data. The Final Frontier These are the voyages of the Starship Frenterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new lives and new civilizations, to boldly go where none of us have gone before. Kirk to Lieutenant Ohura. The gamma rays in this quadrant are excessively high. Can you maintain contact with the probe shuttle in these levels of radiation? The green swiveling armchair in my brother Robert's room serves as an excellent point of command for the captain of a galaxy-class ship. No one takes his authority any less seriously, even if our fearless leader chooses to spin frequently in circles. Negative, sir, I respond clacking away at the mechanical typewriter that is my communication center. Complete loss of contact with the shuttle is anticipated in less than four minutes. Robert's chair slows to a stop. After a moment of stillness, he uses the foot that isn't curled up in the chair to slowly rotate left, then right, then back again. The motion becomes quicker and quicker as he continues with his orders. It seems the momentum of his captain's seat is directly correlated with his decision-making process. Ohura, instruct the probe to return to Base 6 immediately. Have Bones meet the team there for de-ratification. Captain, that is illogical. Leo, our friend from the Rodney congregation, has been standing at attention to the side of our captain. Robert and I hang silently in the following pregnant pause. Leo has been quieter than usual today. He seems tired. Patiently, he waits for Robert to cease the to and fro of his chair before continuing. The shuttle is not programmed to return to the Enterprise until after the necessary data from Zenton 5 has been collected. But Spock! My brother leaps to his feet, ready to take on the new plot twist in our afternoon game. The crew! They will die! Leo slightly widens his stance and squares his narrow, ever-thinning shoulders. Captain, exposure to the gamma rays they have endured will already have caused more damage than can be reversed. By bones, or anyone else. It feels as though his words have sucked the air from the room. A vacuum of space we hadn't yet even tried to imagine. Robert, braver than I breaks the silence, along with his pretend authority. What? His voice catches. What are you saying, Spock? He returns Robert's gaze with an emptiness in his voice I will never forget. Captain, I am saying they are already dead. Leo, our friend and crew member, died a few months later. 
How do we learn to relate to others? How do we deal with loss, confrontation, adversity? Where are those skills first cultivated? As a child, I was told the playground at school was my own personal territory. Personal territory in the Jehovah's Witness organization refers to a unique area where only you have the opportunity to spread the good news of the kingdom. All of us JW kids were told that, but I took this charge a little more seriously than most. So, like a good little brainwashed kid, I would bring my book of Bible stories to school along with colorful pictures of the paradise that would come after Armageddon. I asked my classmates, would you like to live in a world where no one ever gets sick and no one dies? And all the animals are our friends, even the lions and the bears? My holy crusade did not win me a lot of friends at school. Robert and I both knew that Leo was dying. Our mothers were friends. We heard them talk. They both had non-JW husbands, which dropped them down a class or two in the congregation. These types tend to band together. We spent as much time at Leo's house as he did at ours. I don't know now, and I don't know if I ever knew really what illness Leo was dying of, but Doris M. would always be reminding his mother, Sister Katona, of the resurrection whenever she looked sad or cried. Robert and I were assured that Leo would only be gone for a short period of time because the new system of things was nearly here. That was over 30 years ago, and Leo is still gone. If you want to be a zealous Jehovah's Witness, and if you weren't full of zeal for Jehovah, you were being actively disobedient, beginning the preaching work as soon as possible was essential. Playtime ended when I was old enough to read and memorize standard scriptural responses to the most basic questions about my religion. The monkey bars were replaced with study. Hide and seek pushed aside to prepare for three weekly meetings and Star Trek reruns became a distant memory once I began preaching door-to-door. Years went by, and we just stopped playing. Play has been proven by psychologists and educators to help children develop necessary social and emotional skills needed in adulthood. It's when we first learn conflict resolution, how to set boundaries, to share, read body language, and earn the trust of others. A short time after Leo died, Sister Katona and her husband put their farmhouse up for sale. They held an estate auction, moved away, and we never spoke of them again. Eventually, a new sister moved into the congregation who also had an unbelieving spouse, so naturally, she and Doris M. became fast friends. Whenever the situation arose for our mother to be away for extended periods of time, we would be left in her care. She was different from a lot of the sisters in the Rodney congregation. She told us to just call her Lisa. Lisa. 
not sister anything, just Lisa. She was a vegetarian. I never knew any vegetarians before her. I heard her swear once. And best of all, she always, always let us watch TV. As long as we watched her favorite show, Star Trek, The Next Generation. At this point, I had put Star Trek behind me. I saw no point in paying attention to something that brought back the pain and confusion of missing a friend. That chapter had closed. Or so I had thought. We were sitting at Lisa's kitchen table eating cereal when I heard the familiar and once exhilarating phrase, Space, the final frontier. As my ears perked up, I heard Robert's voice too. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. He looked at me, and it was only then that I realized I was also saying it too. Lisa freaked out and joined in through her biggest smile. To to boldly go go where where no one has has gone gone before. By the time TNG's opening theme had kicked in, all three of us were standing at the table, fists raised in the air. Lisa began jumping up and down. I'd never seen an adult so excited about a television show. I didn't know you guys liked Star Trek. After that, we only watched TNG. Being in the company of adults was common for us in our childhood. There weren't many kids in our congregation. The association with non-witnesses our age was purposely limited. But Lisa was like this alien version of an adult. She didn't talk about Jehovah or ask about our door-to-door preaching. We didn't sit down for personal study. We lounged in big, comfortable armchairs, devouring as many episodes as possible. At this point, I hardly needed a sitter, but Doris M. thought Lisa was good association for me. And besides, TNG had just become syndicated. After spending much time getting to know the crew members aboard the Enterprise, Captain Picard, Counselor Troy, Riker, I enjoyed watching Lieutenant Data, the android, most of all. I watched Data struggle in the same way I was beginning to struggle. Because I was getting older, my contact with worldly people began to increase. But growing up in a bubble had robbed me of fundamental skills that would have made that integration much easier. I always felt, well, different. At the very delicate time of entering my teen years, I had already concluded that I was missing a a piece of me. With little exposure to pop culture and no friend base, jokes and references would often be lost on me. Data would smile when he saw others smile, laugh when everyone else laughed. I did that too. When I didn't understand, I would mimic. I would speak too bluntly, as Data, saying the first truth that came to my mind. Feelings would get hurt. I would lose friends because I didn't know how to recover from missteps. Or, with the tables turned, a friendly jab or teasing would result in me taking such comments seriously. I didn't understand the nuances of relationships. Like my android friend, I lacked what people call gut feelings. Within the cult, trusting blindly is akin to having a chip implanted in one's brain. We shared one truth. 
Why would anyone ever lie to me or be deceitful? Determining whether someone had my best interests at heart? A totally foreign skill. Reading people? Impossible. I simply had to take everyone on their word. My misguided trust in the following years frequently landed me in difficult situations, some of which I am lucky to have survived. To this day, I've had a hard time saying no to people. I take on all tasks in order to make others happy, as if I had no personal needs of my own, no rest required or self-care. Expressing what displeases me often makes me uncomfortable. I find myself holding back when I disagree with others' actions or ideas, afraid my own opinion will be uneducated or tainted somehow by my upbringing. I entered my adulthood with a nearly empty toolbox. Back in our house by the factory, Leo was trying to cope with his fear, his anger, his sadness, through the language of play. Robert and I were given the opportunity to express compassion, support, camaraderie. We were in the infancy of a strange new adventure, gathering tools needed for further challenging encounters. Our voyage, however, was cancelled due to a more pressing battle in our future. Surviving the imminent destruction of this wicked world and bringing as many people as possible with us. After all, if you were to program a machine to complete a task, to serve a grand purpose, why would you bother teaching it the ability to feel or empathize, past the point of doing so merely to fulfill a specific function? What would be the point? That would only get in the way. Captain's Log, Stardate 11235.4 Commander Data and I share more than the struggle to exist in a world we have yet to function in at optimal capacity. The desire to relate to others, to understand friendship and love, drives us to continue to learn, change, and grow. My mother may be a robot, but I will not stop pursuing what it means to be human. Thank you for listening to My Mother is a Robot. Magic Bean would like to thank Mitchell K, Sunas, Timber, Satunamen.com, Sandre Drakenson, Tyballer92, and freesound.org.